Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Bar, pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Craig. This is Bucks in the Basement. Uh, four fans, five fans, all Pirates talk. And uh, I don't know, man. Uh, as I watch uh, the game today, uh, right before we we take to the, the air, not really airwaves, podcast waves, I've decided they're just going to go out and win 90 games, right? I mean, they, they beat up on the Rays, so what the heck? Yeah, and, you know, Ono Cruz is belting home runs and and we have Cody Bolton coming back, which is actually a pretty cool thing because the guy has had some bad luck, and it was good to see him. But, yeah, I mean, Chris, we're just going to, like, you know, Daniel Vogelback is hitting foul balls at, like, 101 exit velocity. Right, I mean, imagine, just, if he starts, imagine if he starts straightening that out. He could hit 220 this year. It would be incredible. I know. He's, he's just going to be absolutely amazing. <laughs> Uh, Cole Tucker has put on some weight. Well, you know, there were some things that were banned that weren't banned during the lockout. So I don't know if you want to get excited about that. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying anytime I see, look, I've seen a bunch of guys on a bunch of teams come back to major league baseball teams looking bigger. And, you know, I I sit there and I go, how'd they get so big all of a sudden? And is that going to, is that going to continue? Or now that the new CBA is signed, are they going to get small again? I'm going to wait and see on that. Yeah, I mean, maybe the guys just had a little bit of extra time and they just hit the weight room a little bit more. Uh, who, yeah. who really knows? Right. Yeah, they could be it. Could be it. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference for them. Look, I, here's the thing. Uh, we're we're getting ready to have our, our draft or our draft week or whatever for our 40-man roster Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League. And today was the day when people were getting rid of players to clear room so they could draft. And the amount of Pirates players <laughs> that people don't want to keep on their team like I was laughing at the amount of pirates players that were just released into the wind because they're like, I I'm, I'm pretty sure I can find something better when we do our redraft and of whatever the player pool is. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that I think right now I put on my fantasy team. If I were, if I, you know, this year, like, I mean, you know, you got, you got your O'Neill Cruz for the future. You're going to, you're going to hold on to a guy like that. Brian Hayes, I'm holding on to, I think of the five guys on the pitching staff, the only one that's currently locked in on a team is Mitch Keller of the projected five-man rotation. And that's the hoping that, you know, that 100-mile-per-hour stuff that was happening in the offseason is real. So, right. I mean, there's still it's – it's a hope and pray. It's not even like a, a locked-in, like, this guy's in my rotation, even on a fantasy baseball team for the entire year. On a fantasy baseball team, it's Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. That's That's basically it. I think somebody had Kevin Newman. He's not there anymore. I don't care if he's changing his swing or whatever. He's, I mean, that guy – Seriously, like uh, we make fun of Cole Tucker, put Kevin Newman in there as well. Here's a guy that how many chances are you going to get? Spring training is going to be when you get excited about something. Let, let's see how it goes. I think what's what's the biggest question really is spring training. Like 
development of a few players, waiting to see if somebody like surprises and makes the roster. And does O'Neill Cruz start the season with the team? Like, let's go to that one because I think that's one of the big questions. Is O'Neill Cruz starting opening day? Yeah, and that's pretty much everything that's taken over, you know, the Twitterverse, the Facebook, you know, land or whatever you would call it. It's it's the big question out there. And I think it, it was something that Mike Piersack, our, our, our uh, guest from last week, had kind of brought up a little bit, which was, you know, if, you know, they promote Ono Cruz to the opening day roster, keep him on there for a full season, if he finishes in the top three of Rookie of the Year or top five in, in MVP voting, uh, then they could receive up to three draft picks. So that was something that was in there to, to try to take away from that service manipulation. So you have to figure, okay, if we put him on the opening day roster, do we think he's going to perform well enough to do that? Well, he's a super talented player. He has a you know ridiculously high ceiling. I still think he has a a fairly low floor. Uh, if he you know it doesn't adjust well to the starting pitching, if if his strikeout rates go up, they've stayed fairly consistent throughout the minors. But you know you never know how a guy is going to adjust coming to the major leagues full time. So there's a lot of stuff to take into consideration there. And that, you know, they also have to take into consideration if they do hold him down, because before you could just simply simply manipulate it by days. You could manipulate it that if this guy doesn't get this amount of service time that it hits like super two status or, you know, we have him for another year if we keep him down. But if he is top two in rookie of the year, regardless of service time, then he would be, you know, still eligible for that full year He'd of service. He'd get a full year. He'd get a full yeah. year of service. And, and and that's the thing. It becomes a risk-reward re- thing. Uh, you as a team have to decide, do you think that it's worth rolling the dice to try to get the extra picks? And are those extra picks worth it to you to start his clock a year early? And, and so, I mean, like, I mean, I think that's what the real question becomes. To compensatory picks in early rounds of drafts, are they worth starting the clock early on a guy that you think is going to be a main piece of your team when you go on your run to try to win a championship? And if you start his clock right now, we are saying that you're going to hold on to him for three years and three years of arbitration. You got six years of control, right? So do you want to hold off a little bit and, you know, push some things back and mess around with some service time and, and, and play games? Do, do you think that it benefits you? Are those draft picks not worth, you know, anything? I think the draft picks are worth enough to start him up in, in, at the major league team, especially because I think he's going to end up in the top three in the rookie of the year voting. When you, when you look at a guy who last year, you know, he hits a – he hits what, uh, 292 with an 882 OPS in Altoona, and then goes to AAA in a short se- a short sample size, but it's 524. And then he comes up and he plays in a you know, couple of games, nine plate appearances, and looks good. And if he has a good spring training, I would say it's a possibility. You know, I'm not saying a guy is a shoe in to win rookie of the year, 
but I would think that he has a chance of actually showing up high in the vote. He might have a really nice season. And I, and you know, what do you, you know, when you're holding a guy down, you're, you're sometimes holding back on his development. It might do him good to be up here at the beginning. Teams like the pirates benefit from this rule a little bit because you don't have very much to lose in terms of performance on a guy. If he's ready, I say play him. I think you might get those draft picks out of it. I also think that it's possible if you hold him back, he could end up in the top two of rookie of the year, and then you're going to feel really stupid, right? Like you're going to feel really, really dumb holding him back and he still gets the full year. So, and you could have, and, and then you could have had draft picks. Like that's the thing. If a guy gets held back and ends up like second in rookie of the year, that means if you would have started him at the beginning of the year, you would have gotten a bunch of draft picks. You're going to look really dumb really quickly. So this is an interesting decision that Ben Charrington needs to make. I think if he has a big spring and he looks ready, I say play him. Yeah, Chris. I mean, I'm I'm of the mindset that you don't really need to manipulate this kid whatsoever. And you don't need to, you know, see if he can beat out. Like he he has such he has such a higher ceiling than Cole Tucker, than than Kevin Newman, than any guy that you would put at shortstop on the team. I mean, and there's ways, I mean, I th- I'm thinking about this in my head, Chris, because I'm thinking there's probably ways where you could, you know, ma- manipulate, like, at bats to a degree where he could not qualify and still have him up for the entire year. It oh, would now be you're very getting, now challenging. You're crazy. Now you're losing your mind. Is what and now doing. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, my no. thing is, Chris, like, if if he's ready, he looks ready. He looks a lot better than when he came into spring training last year and was topping balls and just couldn't even like really get, you know, couldn't even really get the bat on the ball, couldn't really get into play. This time he's like reaching out of the zone, doing what he does best, which is basically saying to the pitchers, you could throw this ball anywhere and I can hit it out. So I'm of the mindset that he should start but I know in the back of my head that there's going to be something that is going to be a way for them to justify why they're not. So it's like almost like that, that the and it's like the butt. I'm waiting for the butt to come in and the butt that's going to be there is going to be he had like an error on an easy grounder today. So they're going to say, you know what, we're looking at him playing shortstop. We're looking at him playing outfield. We want to get him... You know, look what happened to Cole Tucker a few years ago when we put him in center field, and he he's kind of fell fell apart. So we want to to brace him for that. So we're going to give him some time in AAA. So I I that's where I go. Like it's the mind of a pirate fan. It's like I know he's ready. He actually would have been up here this year if it wouldn't have been for that stupid 2020 season where they didn't have minor league baseball. He would have been ready to start the year this year. So. I think he's ready. The thing the Pirates have that other teams that manipulate service time sometimes don't have is that they have the ability to sign him and he's not going to walk away, right? Like, unless your intention is to keep a $40 million payroll forever, and if that's the case, none of this matters because you're never going to win anything, okay? If your intention is to actually build a team and then get a somehow respectable payroll, I'm not saying top five, but maybe get into the teams, you know, Bob Nutting, like maybe get like halfway there. 
you know, in the middle of the pack or something like that. You know, the the bottom half, 18th highest payroll or 16th highest payroll. At some point, you're going to have to pay some of these guys. So that's why, to me, I feel like you're, you, can, you can start him because you should be able to afford to keep him. You see, that's, I think that's where I'm at with him. Like, I know the idea is you want to just keep all the salaries down and, and, and hide all these guys and, you know, because you, you got to be frugal. Some teams, I understand why they're like, let's hold back the service time because they have many other players that they know they have to pay. Who are the Pirates paying right now that's on this roster, Craig? Besides, besides Brian Reynolds, is there somebody else on this roster? Maybe Cabrian Hayes, okay, down the line. But there's not a lot of guys that are just sitting there saying, well, we got to make sure we have money for that guy in five years or six years, right? Like who who right now are you holding the money back for? Uh, even if you go out and you make yourself a splash in free agency and bring somebody in, you should still be able to hold on to a couple of your core players. So starting the clock on somebody, you know, like, and that's the other thing I never understood with the starting the clock. In the early part, in the early going of things, the guys that come up first in the rebuild, those guys are going to be at the back end of either year five or year six at some point. But if your rebuild works, you're going to have other guys under your control still on their rookie deals or just entering arbitration that are contributors to your team. And then you sign some of those guys that you want to hold on to that you started their clock. That's why I think the draft picks make sense for this team, because if you're going to operate the way the Pirates operate, you need to get as much talent as you possibly can in the draft. And if this guy can actually get you a couple of draft picks and you think he has the potential to do it, and you know eventually you're going to have to re-sign some of these guys, then why not, right? Yeah, because in some ways, Chris, it's almost like making a trade of O'Neill Cruz when he's still on your team. Right. Which is actually like a fairly smart play. The, the more I think about that is that if if you're thinking that, you know, O'Neill Cruz, let's just say that the Pirates trade him at some point in time and he's still a, a pretty good player. You're going to get, you know, those prospects there. But even if you do sign him, you can still use him at this point in time to get, you know, some lottery draft picks for starting his clock. So, so to me, like, that's where, like, it's turning into a no-brainer for me that you almost, you know, you Wait, bring hold him on up. a second. You're saying... Why, if he's having a good spring, why not go in there and try to eat up the first six years and add a year onto it and sign him to a long-term deal? Like, give him one of those things where it's like he's already under contract and you start his clock and you get the draft pick possibility. Yes. Is that what you're saying? And I yes. like that idea. And if you can pull that off, that's great. But it's a long-term investment in a player. And I don't know if some teams can pull. You know, we talk about the Rays being frugal and having their way. They did that with Wander Franco, and it was smart. They also were reportedly in on somebody's big free agents here in the offseason. They will pull the trigger every once in a while and spend a little bit of money. I'm wondering if, you know, how, you know, where do you think the ceiling is for the Pirates? Like when it's time to actually win, where do you think they would rank amongst other teams in Major League Baseball? Because the numbers are always going to change, right? Like in the 90s, if you had a $100 million payroll, you were a crazy rich team. You were the Yankees. Now it's nothing, right? So, like, it, where were they ranked, do you think? Like, how high up does Bob Nutting actually go when it's time to go for it? How, how high has he actually gone in the, in the past? I mean, is he going to be a guy 
that'll get in there, mix it up, and maybe end up in the top 15 in payroll? Will it get around 10 when it's time to finally make the run? When it's time to sign that last guy and you got to go pay Scott Boris's client like a ridiculous amount of money because this is your year? Is he never going to be in that? I mean, like, so the whole question becomes financially, what do you expect the Pirates to do when it comes time to actually try to win? And when that time comes, what can you afford to, to be paying some of these guys? Like to me, I think you can, you could drop a little bit of coin, sign somebody long-term like Franco. If you're spreading things out, you could also start a clock a little bit early and sign the guy later on down the line, because you should hit, you have, you have nothing really on the books right now. You're not, you don't have any bad money. So you, sh- if you do this right, you should be, the sky's the limit. Even if the budget is low. Yeah, because even the Rays have bad money. Like they they put money into Kevin Kiermaier, and and that's you know at this point in time is considered bad money. The Don't Pirates, worry, the Pirates no... will do that too at some point. At some point in this process, they're going to give somebody bad money. Yeah, and and they did it with you know Gregory Polanco this this last time, which looked like at the time like actually pretty good money, and it, and it didn't work out in their favor. So I mean, you're not going to hit on every single one of those, Chris. When you're talking about like numbers, like where we would fall. I mean, I see them maybe cracking into the teens. I, I I think that like anything above fifteen is is kind of like a pipe dream. As you're talking about like the you know, as the teams fluctuate up and down, there's certain teams that will come down below them. We see the Reds, you know, doing that right now. Where you know, if the Pirates spend a little bit of money, you know, they'll they'll overcome the Reds at some point in time. But yeah, I I see where it would be more in like the 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 20 to like 17 range, but you have to be smart in how you spend it. I mean, I, I know a lot of people say, and Ben Sherrington says he always mentions the raise when, when he talks about stuff, but you have to get guys on, on deals like they got, you know, Wander Franco on everybody will point. Oh, the Rays handed out a $182 million contract. The Rays didn't hand out squat right now. Right. The Rays are paying Wander Franco $1 million this year. Like it's not like that. It, it's spread out throughout, you know, the, his time within the contract. So you have to. I mean, I know that like Scott Boris calls it like taking advantage of these guys that are from you know either Dominican or from Venezuela or from Colombia or per, per, wherever it may be to to give them what he calls are these bad contracts. But these are these are like life changing deals. Like Wander Franco is eventually gonna get. 182 million dollars he's that is going to come to him whether the Rays paid or not he's going to get it so to say that like you know if you offer O'Neill Cruz I've seen it thrown out there like what if you throw out there like an eight-year you know 100 million dollars I think O'Neill Cruz turns, turns that down and he bets on himself a little bit but at some point in time you know you got to start offering somebody something I'm surprised there hasn't been more leaking out about possible you know things with Brian Reynolds or even Brian Hayes. Uh, at some point, you have to sign somebody. You have to start making these types of deals. Because like you said, Chris, if we stay at this $40 million mark, like nobody's nobody's winning anything at that. I mean, not even the Rays could win if you told them you could only spend $40 million. Just a, just a little thing here, a little insight here. And I was actually surprised myself when I looked at it because I always felt like that there might have been at least one or two times that we... We're a little bit higher payroll-wise, Pirates fans. Um, the last time that the Pirates had their opening day roster, opening day, 
uh, 26-man roster, or at that point it was a, you know, a, what was it, a, was it 25 a 25-man roster? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the last time that that was in the teens, at 19th highest payroll on opening day, 2001, over 20 years ago. And the best that they ever got on their end of the season, how much money they actually paid out to their 40-man roster, the highest they got in this millennium, 21st in 2003, not even cracking the top 20. This is your team. <laughs> this is this is your team. So these, these questions are real because there isn't a lot of money. Like there's never going to be a point where it's going to be really high. So I think that's also an indication as to what they'll do with a guy like O'Neill Cruz. Because like I sit there and I say, well, you know, eventually you just give him some money. I don't, I don't know what you're going to give him if that's what, if you're always going to sit in that range. Yeah, and and now you have the conversation about Ono Cruz manipulation time, and everybody's forgotten about the fact that Ben Sherrington said after the lockout ends, he wants to go out and get a starting pitcher, and and still has yet to do that. Everybody's waiting for thought that that would be at least somewhat of a splash move, but I think it was last week, Chris, either you and myself or myself and Mike were talking about the fact that. You know, maybe Yoshi and and Roberto Perez and Jose Quintana, like those were your your splash moves. Those are your splash moves. I mean, it, look, I always say this: if you don't like the payroll, be mad at the owner. But the general manager knows what the budget is, right? Like, if you went into a job, any job in the world, and you had a boss, and the boss was cheap, or the boss had bad rules, or the boss had like a weird way that he did business or whatever. When he hired you and you knew what he was and he told you what parameters you had to work within, if you fail at the job, part of it's on you because you know what you're working with. Ben Charrington knows that his budget is never going to get big. So he has to spend his money wisely. So on the other hand, what that almost means, and this goes back to something we've been talking about since the day that they hired him, okay, is that, that's where you start to get the idea of at some point, all these guys are going to go away. Like you're never going to really retain somebody long-term here. Okay. So then if that's the case, um, I don't know if you're going to, if you're going to start O'Neill Cruz's clock, I think you started. I think, I still think you started. No, no, forget this. I still think you started. I still think you bring him out there because you're going to get six years of him at a reasonable price. Even if he gets an arbitration number here or there. And then when he finally hits the open market, maybe one of those compensatory draft picks is taking his job. And, and and that may be how you have to operate. And it, you can't give up those draft picks if you think he's going to end up, up up high. Because what? look at what they did with Chris Bryant. Remember Chris Bryant, they manipulated his service oh, time? Oh, that was, that was awful. And it, did that help <laughs> the Cubs in any way? Did it help the Cubs in any way? Do you think the no. Cubs? Do you think the Cubs would have liked to have going into this season the results of those three compensatory picks, not a Chris Bryant's not on the team anyway. And so that those are, those are things that actually have to be weighed. That's why the rule is there. I, I I'm throwing him out there, man. I'm letting O'Neill Cruz play. If he has a good spring, if he has a good spring, you know, and so, and so far he has, and I know it's only like, you know, two games and, and here's the, the weird part about all of this is that it's going to be a shortened spring. It's going to be hard to, you know, gauge exactly what's going on. Chris, before we got on here, we're talking about how all the pitchers, even when they look kind of good, like Rowanzi Contreras came out there 
And, you know, his first at bat, like the first uh, guy he faced, he he threw like four straight balls. And then, of course, like settled down a little bit. You know, Mitch Keller, before he got hit in the leg with the ball, he's going to be okay. That's what we're hearing right now. He got hit in the thigh. It's not going to affect him whatsoever. But, you know, on some of his pitches, he's he's skipping them in the dirt. Like there's some wild pitches and stuff going on here. So, I mean, you have to judge like a player how well they're hitting, how well everything's going on based upon the fact that a lot of these pitchers are, you know, pretty far behind unless you got a guy who's been down there in, you know, in train in spring training already, like a uh, a Cody Bolton who I'd mentioned before who was out there and looked pretty good and is, you know, actually like probably about 3 weeks ahead of these guys as far as you know, getting ready and get, getting geared up for the season are, there's just going to be a lot of stuff. And like I said, Chris, I think that there there's going to be like, it's going to sound like double talk, but it's going to sound like talk that we kind of expect it to come of why, you know, O'Neill Cruz isn't up. Why Rowanzi Contreras, who looked pretty, you know, good, wasn't up. And saying stuff and like getting in front of like, you know, the, getting in front of the news where they're saying, well, I don't know when he'll be up. It was like a quote. I can't remember if it was from Charrington or Shelton. I don't know if you know when he'll be up, but he'll be up at some point this year, and he'll be able to contribute to the team. Which is saying, well, he's going to get more than that, you know, weekend at the end of the year. So at some right. point in time, no, you're he's going to play. Him. Look, look, I'm going to tell you something right now. O'Neill Cruz plays, and he plays the majority of the season. It's just whether or not they decide that they want to 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 start the clock. That's all this yeah. is. This guy's playing. He's going to be on the team. You know, when you're sitting around watching a, a Pirates ball game in June or July, you're going to be watching Cabrian Hayes at third base, Brian Reynolds in the outfield, okay, O'Neill Cruz over at shortstop. And that's those are the three guys you'll pay attention to on the field. Honest to goodness, those are going to be the three guys you pay attention to on the field unless somebody really just makes a leap or, you know, does a little better than what they did last year or whatever. Like, those are the guys. Those are the, the core guys that are on the field. You're going to hope that you see Mitch Keller pitch and he's good. And then you're waiting for more guys. Like, I, anytime you're in a rebuild, you, you have this moment while you're watching the team and you go, there are like four major leaguers out there and the rest of them, I don't know who these guys are, right? Like, would any of these guys make a good team? And, and like, and eventually you want to have more and more and more of those guys. He's coming up. Pirates fans are going to have somebody to root for in him. And hopefully he comes up and he does what you need him to do because we need more and more and more of these. We've been waiting for them guys to actually get here and do something because then hopefully when 2023 rolls around, you now have a team. You now have a team that's going to go like the way I see this rebuild. If it goes the way it's supposed to go, you're going to see O'Neill Cruz up for most of the season and you see one or two other players, positional players that get up here before the end of the year. And then next year, this team comes out and actually goes 500. And you actually see guys playing well. And then you go into 2024 and you're in the offseason in free agency and you're adding a piece or two and saying, now we're a competitive team. And then you have to make decisions that sustain it because you're never going to get that payroll up really high. This is like, this is hopefully the beginning of the process that takes you out of the rebuild. You're still in it. But this is hopefully the beginning of that next couple of years that pulls you out of it. And he's a key cog in the entire thing. He and Mitch, Mitch Keller, along with Cabrian Hayes' development, 
are very, very important this year. Not expecting, you know, much record-wise again, but are looking for, you know, kind of like we were last year. Like, could Brian Reynolds get back from that horrible 2020 season? What were we going to see from Cabrian Hayes? Unfortunately, there were injuries that kind of stunted that. And, you know, what was going to happen with, you know, Mitch Keller and JT Brubaker? And a lot of those same questions exist, you know, obviously less with Brian Reynolds. But these are some questions that, you know, Ben Charrington is needing answered before he decides, you know, I, I know they want to give Brian Reynolds that money, but it's like, Brian, are we going to keep you around for, you know, just the time you are here right now and maybe trade you at some point in time to bring some stuff back? If we're not as far along as we think we should be at this point, obviously going into three in, into year three for Ben Sherrington, we're hoping that we're further along. I hate to keep bringing up like 2020. I, I can't wait until we're like looking back and thinking, you know, that was 10 years ago and we don't have to talk about that as far as development and bringing in players and all kinds of di- different stuff. But that is affecting this timeline a little bit. But Chris, I agree with you. Like you, at some point in time, like you have to shore up some of these guys. You have to take that step forward. And at some point in time, you have to start pushing and putting whoever your best players are on the field to try to get that record to start ticking up a little bit because, I mean, these guys want to win. They're ballplayers. They want to win. Well, yeah, but we want them to win. That's the thing. (laughs) The fan wants them up right away so that they win, okay? It all comes down to, and I think some of these decisions do come down to it, when will the bulk of players that you think are going to be your starting nine, when do they get here? O'Neal Cruz's start time could literally be decided by how well Henry Davis is doing in spring training right now. <laughs> like, think yeah. about that. It could it could be decided by, you know what? I do think Davis will be there in 2024, so you might as well start Cruz in 2022 and go for the draft picks because in about three years, we're going to have both of them and all the guys in between that are coming up and we'll be ready to roll, right? That yeah. All of it, it's all connected so it's like, how's, how's Nick Gonzalez hitting? Is he going to be up in the middle of next year or is he going to be, you know? Yes. That's what's important about this entire thing. In the end, all things, all things though, considered if he has a good season, O'Neill Cruz, I'd start him. Are you starting him up in at the beginning of the year? If he has a good season, if he looks the way he looks early on, if he looks the way he looked when he came up for those couple of games, if he looks the way that he looked when he hit AAA for a little bit, and if he looks like he did last year in the minors, are you starting him start of the year? Absolutely. I'm bringing them up. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day.